Bloody Elbow presents the 6th Round Retro Podcast, the show that delves deep into the archives of MMA yesteryear, going as far back as UFC 1, the Pride Days, and more. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts, Eddie Mercado and Victor Rodriguez. Hello there, and welcome to the sixth round retro. I'm your host, Eddie Mercado, joined by my brother from another mother, Vic Rodriguez. Vic, what is poppin'? I'm happy now. I'm happy now, baby. You know why? <laughs> you know why? Because we ain't done this in what? a very long time. We are from a period of uncertainty and doubt and fear and concern. Uh, Bloody Elbow is not going anywhere and i couldn't be happier that not only are we still kicking but that i still got people like you you know you're my main as dude man i i i love having these uh moments and these occasions to make this happen so i don't know man i got a little i, I got a little tinge of like you know i almost squealed with joy like i get to do another <laughs> retro with eddie this is awesome and yeah man nah, here we are. Me, bro. The, i love doing these they're so much fun i mean we get to uh, look back at at you know, some of the most classic events from long, long ago. And I mean, these are I'm talking events that you either forgot about or you didn't even know happened in the first place. And I, I feel like so many events and or fights just get lost to the sands of time and we forget about them because, I mean, it's oversaturated. I mean, there's fights every freaking weekend, all these promotions. It's, mm-hmm. it's real easy to lose lose track because there's just like the average person just cannot keep up. Like if you miss the history, you miss the history. Right. But we're doing little shows like this to kind of, you know, bring us back to this um, specific point in time. So for this retro, we're actually going to do dream one, the lightweight grand prix. This was 2008. This is the first round. Um, The date we're talking March 15th, 2008. This is one of the greatest times I can think of in MMA. This was at the Saitama Super Arena, one of the most awesome arenas you will ever see. If you ever have a chance to visit it, please go. It is phenomenal. Uh, This was on HDNet, and we had the crazy pride lady. And, I mean, essentially, (laughs) at this point in time, the UFC was like, right, they were buying up all their competition. They were poaching the best fighters and dropping the rest. I mean, they got Pride FC in 2007. So this is 2008 in Japan where the the former Pride executives, um, the people from K1 Heroes, they merged together to create Dream. And it was supposed to fill that void that left when Pride got bought out and, and went away. So, you know, this was exciting. This is like, okay, there's still some competition out here for you know for the ufc not only that but the fact that i mean this was and we're gonna we're we're only gonna i i don't really want to get too deep into the history of dream itself but um more so than any sort of why not that's why we're fucking here well (laughs) i don't want to i don't want to get too far in the weeds (laughs) is what i'm trying to say because we got a lot to to really cover here and i don't want to get into like too much boring bog down detail what i'm trying to say is that like the the fact that more so than any sort of competition for the ufc pride was gone Okay, uh, this this was something of a promise of, hey, here's this cool thing. You know, we're going to have a new era for Japanese MMA. We're going to make a new um, we're going to bring this new slate of fighters and some not so new. But for, you know, you'd have some familiar faces, but we're going to make sure that we're going to have more than anything a lot of fun. And holy shit, yes. that was fun. Yes. It was this was a yeah. very fun event. A little weirdness. You know, there was some oddity, but. <laughs> Man, and that's this, the thing, right? Yeah. They, right. That, that's the thing is you can't it's it's sport and it's spectacle. Right. And MMA or combat sports can never exist without the two because you need one to draw on the other. Right. You need the freak show things to draw on the randoms who don't really care. The casuals, you got to bring them in. Right. The circus fights. But then you also have the the, the true like high level 
athletes, high level fighters. And, and so you, you kind of get the best of both worlds. And I feel like pride, uh, pride and, and dream, the Japanese circuit really in general, just did a fantastic job of really just walking that line. Even in this card, I mean, we got so many squash matches, like miss, like people who should never be fighting one another were, yeah. and yeah. like, you can say what you want about the competition, but like that's the spectacle. That's the freak show. Like that's the fun side of things. In fact, you could even call this, you know, the earliest stages of uh, of like like um, influencer combat sports. Right. Because you got guys who might have a reputation in Japan. They might be a pro wrestler or some, you know, mm. they're they're a big name. Not this, necessarily. I, I don't I, I'm sorry. I, I don't I, I got to strongly disagree with that because it goes back for I mean, I believe Hongman Choi, not. Yeah. Hongman Choi had already fought Kanseiko, I believe. By the time this happened, right? But then you got, you know, Bobby Odom. Well, no, I'm talking about like comedian. just the Japanese, the Japanese circuit in general. Like they've been, they've always, uh, you know, been ahead of the curve and 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 yeah. blending the spectacle side and the sports side, right? And now we have like the Jake Pauls and you know that whole thing going on. But like back then, they were doing this in Japan, like. Ahead, yeah. of, ahead of their time for sure that's well ahead of uh, definitely ahead of what we're doing i mean we had celebrity boxing but the recipe wasn't quite it, it wasn't really there in the same way i don't think people that were in those as a television product were quite as attached as people are now with a lot of the influencer stuff where like you follow someone online for years um you know like someone like chris reagan who i mean total fucking moron but th that's beside the point he has a following he's some guy who writes about video games but he's also like he, he comes at it from a, like some weird libertarian perspective and he's wrong about fucking everything that's political and unfortunately it drenches everything that he discusses so a guy like him goes out there and he's had a following for a couple of years online well guess what he gets into some online boxing thing and you know, he's going to attract something like that. It just happens because the the manner in which this is done is different. And in Japan, I guess, you know, that being much more of a TV based culture back then where TV stars were bigger than movie stars. Um, you know, if, if you were on TV a lot and then it's like, oh, that person's fighting. Well, shit, I, I, I got to see what's going on there. It's not that right. dissimilar from what we saw this past weekend with Bare Knuckle. Right. You see all these UFC guys. Eddie Alvarez, Chad Mendez. Now, hold on a minute, man. I don't know if I want to see those guys being anywhere near elite MMA anymore, but I'd like to see him crack. And they put on a hell of a fight. So you never know with a lot of this stuff. It, it, it ends up being um, it ends up being incredibly surprising, but it worked. It really worked. And for this weirdness, yeah. they didn't get too circusy. You know, you didn't have the kind of. Sure. You didn't have Zuluzinho, you know what I mean? You didn't have all that, but <laughs> it was circusy enough, but it was still very legitimate. And this very first event was the beginning of their lightweight Grand Prix. So uh, a lot, a lot of legitimacy here and, and some uh, very, very good action to look forward to. Yeah, no, opening round, 14-man lightweight tournament I, with some of the biggest names in the sport. You got Shinya Aoki, Jay-Z, Calvacante, Kawajiri was on the card, not in the tournament, but he was on the card. Eddie Alvarez was in the tournament. Joaquin Hansen, Luis Firmino. I mean, it was a pretty pretty stellar. And you got to understand, at this point in time, everybody was in the UFC. Like, everybody got picked. Yeah, they sopped, so, up. they sopped up a bunch. Yeah, you're right. So for for Dream to even be able to put on a quality card with some big names is is just downright impressive for that that space in in MMA history. So shout out to them for doing it. But let's get right into this, man. Uh, opening up the card was uh, I'm I'm so happy it opened this way, dude. Oh God, yes. This is. So this this gets right into the whole spectacle side of things, right? Woo. You have someone who is a total legitimate fighter, right? Minnow man. He comes in 40, 27, and 8, finding fighting someone making their debut. Oh. Like this is this is you can't get more of a mismatch, but it was fun. Like Minnow Man, he comes out. And he starts doing like front rolls, like he's doing a jujitsu warm up, like he's doing front rolls, just clowning this guy. Why? Because he can. Like this, Quan <laughs> yeah. Bum Lee was living up to his name, full on, like total bum status. Had no business out there. And like they say, they clinch up, and like Minimal Man hits the sweetest armbar ever, and it's like the laziest one. Like he lands in half guard and just kind of steps over into the knee bar. I mean. 
total squash match, but like he made it fun and then he wins. Like he gets on the ropes and he's amping up the crowd. And like, if you know anything about the Japanese crowd, they are so respectful and quiet while, while, uh, you know, the performers are doing their thing. So it was cool to see Minoa man, like, like amp them up and get the crowd rowdy because you never think of Japan as a rowdy crowd, but man, he had them into it and it was fun. Yeah. Usually it's a very subdued audience until the cathartic release of the finish. You know, and this was a different thing. Quan Bum Lee, his career can be defined as grand opening, grand closing. One fight. This was it. He never fought before. He never fought again. He was a Korean baseball pitcher who had um, I just I guess he trained in some kickboxing, maybe did a little bit of, you know, the old uh, six months of sprawl training. And somebody said, yeah, sure. <laughs> this seems like a suitable opponent for let, let me see. Let, let me put my finger in my earpiece. Oh, no. Manoa, man. Let's do that. Right. Manoa was smooth with it too, boy. He steps in. He Dude, doesn't even is... step into the ring. He grabs the ropes and he somersaults over, and then he just, you know, I, man, shit. He just, he was. This is vintage Manoa. No, it was fantastic, and and like I said, Bum was a uh, influencer at the time, like an influencer. Like 2008, we had an influencer MMA match, and it was fantastic, and it ended in a minute and 25 seconds, like it should have. Yeah, well, and it was cool too because Manoa was working that side control. He bails on the uh, he bails on the on the side shoulder lock, and he decides, you know what, I got a better idea. He steps over, sits on the dude, and then he just as soon as he did the the the, the step over sit. On Bum's Lee, uh, Bum's knee, Bum Lee, on Bum Lee's Bum knee, uh, he immediately <laughs> stretches over and makes, it's just, can we, can we just, I need a moment to just gush over the gorgeousness of that knee bar. Picture perfect, grabs, I mean, the leg placement, everything, pushing the hips, I mean, you knew it was over from the moment he leaned forward, it was like, yep, that's just a wrap, right there, oh, the yeah. only guy I mean, in the arena who didn't see that shit coming was Quan. nobody else. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he even knew what a knee bar was, to be completely Probably honest not. with you. Probably like, he had no clue. He's just like, oh, my knee's getting ripped apart, and I don't know why. So yeah, I'm I don't like this. Get, get this. Get this motherfucker off of me. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I thought it was a cool way to open the show. You got the crowd involved, a quick finish, everyone's engaged, and it's a knee bar. Like, like yeah, I'm here for that. Yeah. All right, so the second match of the night – um. This one also a bit of a squash match. Uh, so uh, Hayato Sakurai, what? You're crazy. Yeah, kind of. No, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just okay. We're, we're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it. Monma got knocked out four minutes and twelve seconds into the first round. Um, I mean, Sakurai, man, come on, man. Sakurai had already competed against like Anderson Silva and Matt Hughes and Jake Shields and Rio Chone and Dave Monet, Frank yeah. Trigg, Jens Palver, yeah. Gomi, even Mac Danzig, right? Yeah. Like, Monma just, Monma said, knock me out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he didn't belong in there. He's not known for his striking. He was out there striking and he got fucked up. Like, I mean, what I, what I remember was that Monma came in, and this is from when he started in the Pancrase days. He got a like he came in with some some really good heat, uh, and this this is the dude that started fighting in 2001. So um, it, 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 he was one of those cats that had like a pretty strong trajectory coming up. Then he started alternating wins and losses. So it was like the level of competition wasn't the same. You know, I, I can see where like if these guys had fought maybe four or five years prior, it still wouldn't be. I mean, it would still be a mismatch. Don't get me wrong, but it would probably be a little more. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know, man. I don't think Monma really had it, but he tried, man. He tried his damnedest. And did you notice? Did you notice who was who was coaching? Who was calling out from the uh, from the corner there from Monma? Oh, who was it? Akiyama. Oh, Akiyama, sexy Yama. sexy Yama himself was shouting out and coaching, okay. and I'm like, look, I know that tan, I'd know that shine from anywhere. So <laughs> I, it was tan. dope, man. And and Sakurai, a lot of control. You know, there were just some moments where Monma was able on the feet to like start tagging him with a few shots, but it was very, very little offense on his part. Not enough to really put a dent in it. And then by the time Sakurai was like, all right, we're done here, nails him, puts him to sleep, and that's it, man. It's it's done. Yeah, uh, that's a wrap. Another, uh, like I said, in my opinion, this was a squash match. You got guy, a guy with twice as many fights um, and just an infinitely better resume. 
So, I mean, but still, first, you know, first round knockout, I'm not mad at all. No, no, it was, yeah, and yeah, it was good. All right, so the third match of the evening was the first fight in the lightweight Grand Prix. Joachim Hansen taking a unanimous decision over uh, Kotetsu, oh, is it Baku? Boku. Boku? Boku? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I mean, this is just Hansen, man. The, the, <laughs> He he just went like full Terminator out there, dude. Just like marching forward through some solid punches, like getting tagged, but just doing what he had to do to close that space and get his takedowns. I mean, he was like roaring at getting pieced up and then would just like eat it and then come through and like crack Boku with something slick and then get his takedown. I think he even scored a knockdown at the end of the second round. So Hansen was just the dog in this fight. Like he he was such a dog. Hanson, you know what the weird thing is? So two things about Hellboy Hanson, all right? One thing, and I got to get this off my chest right away. There was those rumors that apparently they think it was a deliberate thing that he did, that he didn't, like, he, he wasn't the most hygienic guy. Apparently, he'd, like, not shower before fights, and that was, like, on purpose. Like, he wanted to come in and be oh, like, oh, man, really, yeah. Yeah, you never yeah, heard that I one? Remember, um, no, but I remember Pat Militich talking about how he would eat raw onions before his fight, so his breath was just hideous, oh, and he'd just be down there breathing in people's faces with nasty-ass onion breath. Mm, Y'all yeah. are some fuckers, man. Yeah, man, <laughs> like, that, that's, that's pretty that's old school. That is, old <laughs> that is school, very dude. old school, but but you know what? What is undeniable is this man's talent, because Boku was – I mean, I, he wasn't – I don't know that I'd call him necessarily like a grappling boogeyman, but his submission skills were pretty heavy. He was a tough dude too. He was he was at this point what thirteen and four coming into this fight. Uh, fought some pretty tough guys, you know, not the same kind of resume yeah. as Hanson. But the the jujitsu, the submission grappling that Hanson employed was smooth, man. There was that point. I think it was near the end of the first round. First round was ten minutes, by the way, for each of these fights. So let's start there. True, gets his true. gets well, gets well Boku's... real quick. So it's 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 a ten minute first round, five minute second round, but yep. the fight is judged overall also. Yes, that is true. Yes, and that applies to all the fights that were on this card. And then the thing is, Hansen gets Boku's back. He starts working a choke. He kind of bails on it, and he goes for the um goes for the 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 near side underhook on his left side, right? So Boku says, oh, you know what? I'm about to break free from this body triangle. I'm going to turn to my side. Nope. No, you're not. You're going to try it. And then the moment, I mean, he just like immediately fell right into it. Hansen elevates his hips, swings his leg over, turns it into an arm bar. Whoa, wait a minute. He's not getting it. It's not happening. And guess what? He tilts his hips over to his left. Boku starts thinking he's got a little bit more breathing room. He rolls again. Guess what? Triangle now. Oh, my God. It was a super, super slick transition. Lovely sequence of events. Unfortunately, he didn't get the tap, and then they went out of the next round. Still good. Still good. This whole card is worth watching just for that and for uh, another thing that we're about to discuss in a little bit. But, man, that shit was so dope. Well, yeah, you know what? You know what? Let's might as well tell people how we found this. So Vic found this on YouTube in its entirety. So you can get like um, the little intros like it's edited a little bit. So it's kind of it's a lot more fast paced. I think the whole thing is less than three hours. They trimmed a lot of the fat. Yes. Yeah. Which is great. Um. So I mean, you can go go back and watch this. And what I what I discovered is the same channel or whatever. I don't know who it is, but if if they're going to be up for a while, they also have uh, Dream Two, Dream Three, Dream Four, which are Dream also 18. fire. They went all the way Bro, up to I like we tw- might, yeah. We might need to do like you know two. We might need to finish this tournament out honestly because it's it's to. great. I mean, it is great. Like, <laughs> I was looking at Dream Two, Dream Three, Dream Four, because like just following the, the the way the tournament played out, and man, no, we got some great, I mean, effing fights, dude. The like, same I'm, channel, the same channel got a bunch of Sengoku fights too. <sighs> so if you if you hear that right now and you were there at the time, you are nerding out real heavy right now. It's okay. You if you need to pause to take a moment to explain to people around you heavy why breathing, why heavy you breathing. just started, why you just started shivering like you has like you're going into diabetic shock. Chubbing you up you, you, you can you explain chub, that. It's up. okay. We ain't going nowhere. You can unpause later. That's fine. As long as you finish to the end, it's all good money to us. But <laughs> but but if you're not if you're not familiar again, this is largely for the uninitiated folks. If you are maybe 
either younger or you just weren't paying attention to what was going on in Japan at that time. I, I cannot understate the importance of how these organizations, when people were like, well, the UFC bought Pride, that's it, it's a wrap, everything's over, no one's going to make a dent. These guys were chugging along. These guys were making inroads into delivering with really solid products, assembling amazing talents and doing really important things. And we cannot forget these things. You know, it, it is uh, it is definitely something to behold. And I'm glad they started off in the manner in which they did with this premiere event. Yeah, definitely um, a buzz increase, I'll say. All right. So let's get to the fourth bout of the evening. Uh, another lightweight Grand Prix matchup. Luis Firmino submitting Kazuyuki Miyata with a rear naked choke seven minutes and 37 seconds into the opening round. And man, talk about low fi Q. Um, well, right away, I feel like Firmino was definitely favored going into this. Like he came over from Pride, Miyata came from K1 Heroes. But the, even the broadcast kept referring to Miata as a practice partner. Like, damn, how disrespectful can you be? Like, they, you want to just keep calling him a practice partner? Like, and not even – it just seemed a little disrespectful. But either way, so Miata comes out, right, and he gets on top within 30 seconds. Yeah. And, like, Firmino would stand up, and Miata would just toss his ass again right on his head. And uh, it was beautiful. Like, Miata was doing so well, hitting the most perfect tosses, getting top control, winning the scrambles. And then he just completely shit the bed. Like, he was doing so well, and for no reason. Like, maybe because it's 2008, I don't know. But he decided, you know what? From the top of full guard, I'm going to drop back for a fucking straight ankle lock. What? Low mm -hmm. IQ moment. Firmino defends, gets the easy sweep, gets on top, lands some real decent ground and pound, takes the bat, takes the back, sets his hook, hooks and sinks the choke. And it's like, damn, dude, like uh, you have a negative IQ. Like you were winning this fight. You could you could have won this fight, and you just just that's that's almost as bad as diving on a guillotine for no reason. Yeah, and Man, this I was frustrating, know. dude. This fight yeah, was frustrating. It's tough to watch. Just... Yeah, it's tough to watch, especially if you've trained for like an excessive period of time. Like, okay, these guys are the pro fighters. Obviously, they know what they're doing more than more so than I do. Uh, why are they doing that? It's very frustrating when when you see like really um, really bad decisions be made like that. But I mean, it's the word because well, like it's not like you're not. This isn't a squash match. You're not fighting someone making their debut. You're not fighting a like a kickboxer or a boxer or a striker. You're fighting Luis for fucking Mino. Yeah. Like why are why would you dive on an ankle lock, a straight ankle lock? Like dude, who has ever really tapped to a straight ankle lock in the in MMA? Like it's I mean, very not very since, rare. Not since like rings. <laughs> which i've been getting yeah, a lot of like mileage he, I mean, this week but yeah man that doesn't really happen and there's a reason for that and nah. Firmino is not the kind of guy and i'm glad you alluded to that this is not the kind of guy you want to make that sort of mistake against because he's a very very good submission grappler yeah yeah man, and it, man. It, it, kinda, it hurt my heart man because i like you can't help but root for the underdog in situations like this and like he was doing so well and just brain fart Bro, like brain fart, man. Like me, even if you do, like let's say, hold on, like let's say Miata actually got the straight ankle lock, right? And he gets it. You think for you think anybody's tapping to that in the in MMA? Fuck no, dude. Break that shit and let me get on top. Like <laughs> nobody's tapping to that. And maybe if you have a shoe on, right? Like you're well, wearing shoes, which some of these guys were. Yeah. Then maybe, but. Man, that was asinine, dude. <laughs> it was. It I'm was sorry. bad. No, no, no. Don't, don't apologize. This is fine. Listen, this is what people come here for, baby. That's what we sell. That's what we got at the start. That's our inventory. <laughs> I'll tell you what. For me to know, I just got to nerd out for a little minute, man, because this dude, this dude, what a weird and amazing career this guy has for someone that a lot of people have never heard of. He starts off oh, with the Miata. world. 
War, no, uh, Firmino. Oh, Firmino. Okay, World yeah, Valetudo yeah. Championship in Brazil. Moves on to M1. Fights in Shudo. Fights in Pride Bushido. Moves on to Dream, right? Well, guess what happens after Dream? He goes all the way out to CFA, then World Series of Fighting starting in 2013. <laughs> Makes it to the Ultimate Fighter in 2015. I don't know what happened there. I don't know if he got well, injured or not because I don't remember that. Well, hold on. Let's back up for a that. second. Let's, let's, we got we to gotta back up for a second, right? Mm-hmm. Because... Not only did Firmino make it uh, to the World Series of Fighting, yeah. uh, but he also got his ass beat by Justin Gaethje. Well, that's what I'm getting pretty, to. That's what I'm getting to. He had a couple of fights with World Series, goes to the Ultimate Fighter. Doesn't I don't know what happens if he got injured or what, because he won his, his fight against Uros Yudishik. Uh, Comes back, headlines against uh, Carlos Fodor. And loses two straight. One triangle choke against Brian Foster, the man who's the man who his testicle was rumored to have exploded in training after a shot. And then, Hold on, Vic. didn't yeah. we didn't didn't we do a vivisection for that? We might have. Well, I know we talked pretty, about Brian Foster before. Probably I'm when pretty, Foster fought his I think force. I picked. I think I picked Foster in that fight. We're gonna have to go back. WSOF thirty three vivisection. Oh, a vivisection. Oh, we might have done. We might have. I think that's yeah. when we started doing it all together like that. And then his yeah, reward like for that, fight. his reward for losing the Foster was to end up headlining against Justin Gaethje in twenty sixteen somehow. But and at least it was shit. for a title. Yeah, but the dude. But there were fun fights. They were great. Mm-hmm. He was this dude mm-hmm. was really good, and then he ends his career in uh, PFL in 2018. Has not fought professionally since. Uh, has since dedicated his time to um, uh, competitive grappling. And you know what, man? Good for him. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had some solid wins. Beat Tyson Griffin, uh, Luis Palomino. You know, Toby Yamada. These are these are solid wins. Yeah, man, dude was dude was just he was just so good. And he didn't really, uh, you know, like, again, some of these cats are just sort of maybe they didn't pave the way for some people. But it's just this name keeps popping up. It's like some of these cats are Forrest Gumping their way through their career and, and just having um, uh, just insane performances. Whereas Miata, I don't know, he didn't really. You didn't really have the uh, the 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 winning <laughs> resume here. You may he may mostly he was mostly remembered for getting knocked out in that highlight reel against Kid Yamamoto back in 06 at the K1 Hero May he show. Rest in peace. Rest in peace always, my man. Crazy B Jim never die. Uh, yeah, man. Shaolin Hibedo, he lost to again. I mean, like all the really good dudes he lost to, except for Kawa Uno in a very wild um, decision win back in 2010. I have no idea how that happened. After that, his ceiling was very well established. Lost to Crusher Kawajiri in 2011 and it went over Andy Sauer in Ryzen. Um, I remember yeah. we covered that one. I know we did that one. And then it went against Ursin Yamamoto, which man, I, mean, I, I no love Andy that he so much. I love Andy Not Sauer, to too. No, we digress. Dude, his left hook to the body is – he probably has the best – my favorite. I don't think I have anyone in my mind that's – that has a a meaner, more efficient left hook to the body. Like he is Mr. Liver Shot. He probably has more liver shot finishes than anybody. Maybe. Mm. Mm. Damn. Way to bring him back, though. <laughs> All right. Holy shit. Look, we're just, hey, listen, guys, if you're, again, if you're not familiar with these names, write them down and look them up, man. We're giving you gold right here. You just ain't realizing yeah, it. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Mm, what's next? Okay, so let's go ahead and move to our next lightweight bout. Uh, Katsuhiko Nagata, who was a 2000 Greco-Roman silver medalist, mm-hmm. taking on Archer Umakanov. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one with the distance, it was um, it was like reasonably competitive, I suppose. Um, Nagata eventually got a takedown, and, and you know he kept it for some time. And eventually, Umakanov, you know, sat up, shot his own double, but just brain farts and, and couldn't keep his position, and, and just kept finding himself on his back, and. You know, that's kind of how this fight went. It was just kind of a bunch of back and forth scrambles with Nagata, you know, owning the top position more often than not. Yeah, I mean, this was mostly Umakanov in gu- uh, holding uh, Nagata in his guard. Right, 
Right. And I mean, it's... well, he would like he would throw up like maybe an arm bar every like every ninety seconds. He might he throw tried like it. a half ass attempt. Yeah, he tried. Well, I don't even know it was half ass. I think it was just his body was just like not giving him. And and Nagata's positioning was also smart enough to you know kind of keep him True. grounded. So I it, it's they kind of ended up in a lot of stalemates. You know what I mean? It didn't really amount to too much. Uh, not the most exciting fight. Not bad exactly because they, there is skill. There are like moment to moment decisions being made. You can see them thinking and trying to move ahead, but there's only so much you can do, man. They can't all be winning. Yeah, no, I mean styles. Styles make fights, and this was just a bad style. So mm. if you're watching the replay, skip it. Or uh, you could even do since it's on YouTube, you can do the little feature where you go into the settings and you, you can watch it at like 1.5 speed or something like that. Yeah, that one you might want to just scrub ahead. Like you could just skip the whole fight. Oh, I should know. <laughs> conveniently enough, conveniently enough, um, this fight has uh, timestamps. The video for it has timestamps for each fight. So yeah, that's good. Now you tell me. <laughs> I mean, listen, this is what it is. I, I just watched the whole thing. Yeah, so did I. I mean, we kind of have Alrighty. to. I mean, like, it's, that's not really saying much. We, we always do that anyway. <laughs> All right. Our next lightweight Grand Prix opening round matchup. Mitsuhiro Ishida wins a another unanimous decision over Boo Chon Young. Um, man, this is another one that um, you could probably just skip over, honestly. Like Ishida, you know, he was coming off of a really great win over Gilbert Melendez at the time, but this was Young's second pro MMA fight ever. So this was like supposed to be a squash match kind of, but it just it 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 didn't pan out, I guess the way I thought it was gonna pan out at the time. This is um like it went the distance. Like Ishida should have smoked this guy. Um, but he didn't, man. Young was about it. Like he he held his ground and he was throwing some solid punches and threw up, you know, several submission attempts. But and I think we actually got a yellow card pulled out in this one um, at one point in the second round because of just the stalling. And that's another thing that I loved about Japanese MMA, the yellow card. It's yeah. like, yeah, we're going to stand you up, but we're also going to hit you with a a, a yellow card that. that is going to deduct a percentage of your purse for being boring and not putting on a show. Yeah. The inactivity Man. thing. So, but here, here's, I mean, I, I don't conceptually, I think it's great. The problem is, as we've seen over time, referee, like, I don't know, man, there's, there's right. not too there's many referees. To it. There's not many referees I could trust with that. And you're, you're fucking with people's money. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where, and uh, that's not to say like in this world, I, I don't think dream was doing the show and win thing that we commonly see nowadays, you know, the, the, I, maybe these guys were getting flat fees. I'm not sure how that went, but yeah, I, I, I love the idea in theory, but in practice, I get very, very, um, I, I, it just gives me, it makes me feel real icky, man. I don't, <laughs> I'm not a, you know I'm not what a else fan makes of the me whole feel, thing in practice. On. You know, hey Vic, you know yeah. what else makes me feel icky? Oh God. Watching a boring ass fight. Yeah. That, that makes me feel, you want to just lay there on somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Yellow card them. Stand them up. Mm -hmm. I'm happy with it. All right. Um, I got. We should move on. I think that's. Yeah. You got. Yeah, you got man. anything else of note with this one here? Nah, fuck no. We keep moving. All right. Well, let's get to the real deal. Holy field. Mirko Crow Cop. That's right. Yes. I went to UFC. You know, had a mixed bag. Won one fight, lost two. Got got Crow Cop by Gonzaga, as we all remember. Lost the decision to check Congo and then, uh, you know, came back to Japan and absolutely got, you know, one of the most criminal matchups of all time. Tetsuya Mizuno had zero business being in any kind of combat scenario with Mirko Krokop in any way, shape or form. I mean, the dude was three and two coming in. Mirko has had already established himself as Mirko Krokop, right? <laughs> he decided all he decided to be the equalizer and balance out that record. No kidding, man. He Three was, and two. I don't like that. Let's let's put another. Let's 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 make this shit right. Here we go. Poor Mizuno, man. He really had to feel the brunt of that UFC failure in the first stint, man. Poor poor guy. Uh, I mean, and and it's not even Crow Cop, right? Like Mizuno, like his third pro fight was Tiago Silva. His fourth, Asuario Silva. Oh, and God. then he gets Crow Cop in his fifth. Like, bro. Talking about like getting the short end of the stick. 
Like, yeah. ah, man, that's like squash matches. These are squash, like freak show fights, and yeah. there's there's fun in it though. I'm not mad at and it though. Yeah, like Krokot comes out and he just beats his ass like he's supposed to. Like he landed a few kicks, but it was really the boxing. Like he just let his hands go and and just did his damn thing. And then three fights later, his ass is back in the UFC. Yeah, it 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 just happens that way. Yeah. Oh, oh, this this only lasted 56 seconds. Oh yeah, and don't expect too much in terms of left, you know, the hospital cemetery. Nah, nah, this was just. This was just straight up like I'm gonna punch you until you fall over, and then I'm gonna punch you even harder once you fall over. And that was it. Yeah, just squash, total squash. And again, like a crow cop sh- showcase, okay. And especially mm-hmm. at the time, like I said, because you know the 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 hardcores they had just after watching crow cop get crow copped. I mean, a little piece of me died. I'm not even gonna lie, dude. Like that yeah. hurt. Yeah, that shit, like, that shit hurt me now. That was like the about. one thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like the one thing I didn't want to happen, like happened. And then so for him having a rough go in the UFC, to, you know, to see him bounce back in this kind of way, you know, it was I guess uh, that little piece that died came back to life a little bit. It had a little Lazarus moment in there. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, Crow Cop, total legend, total G. Speaking of total G. My goodness, our next lightweight Grand Prix matchup, the underground king, Eddie Alvarez, knocking out Andre Amade. Did I say that right? Amad? Amade? Amade, fine, sure. Let's go with that. Sure. Knocks him out six minutes, 47 seconds into the fight. And here's what I love about this, right? Um, So... Like Amade, he was like another one of these guys who just got thrown right into the fire, like fighting world class competition just a few fights into his career. Um, so, I mean, I'm not surprised he didn't really have a long career. But what's cool about this is this isn't this isn't like the brawling Eddie Alvarez. Nah, this is Eddie Alvarez gets a takedown right away and, and starts working Amade on the ground. Like, I mean, working him, owning the positions, landing his ground and pound. Like, can you imagine getting schooled on the ground just to get to finally make it back to your feet? And then you have to throw hands with Eddie Alvarez? With that like, Eddie Alvarez. Oh, but to his credit, and I don't even know of how much credit we should really give him for that, but he drops Eddie. Don't which, you dare credit. Don't you dare credit those Walmart punches. Well, I'm just don't saying, Eddie, hold on a second. Let me get to it, man. You know, we all know Eddie gets dropped in every fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, that was that's something that happened here. But I'm already used to it. I'm so used to it. I'm like, yep, he's going to make him pay for that shit. And brother, let me tell you something. He made him pay for that shit. He uh, really he did not. Honestly, he did not take too kindly to that. Honestly, this is probably one of my favorite ground and pound performances of all time. I mean, he didn't let him breathe. He did not let him breathe. He just kept hitting this guy. I'm like, is he not? He's going to burn himself out. Nope. Tons of punches, like several knees to the head of a downed opponent, which I absolutely love and think should be legal across the board. But like brilliant ground and pound. Like he was flowing from one technique to the next. Like he beat the piss out of this dude. Like he beat did. the piss out of him. Like you, you rarely see that kind of it, like it, it's it's art. Like that is art. Watching that kind of like surfing surfing on top of this guy from position to position while at the same time landing the ground and pound. I mean, this was fantastic. We right. Should, so Eddie gets out. Note that there's there's been a lot of a lot of kicking and a lot of, and there's people trying to get out of arm bars by kicking each other in the head and people putting arm bars on while kicking people in the head. So there's a lot to look forward to there if you haven't seen that. Oh yeah. Uh, and and to the cherry on the top for me was Eddie wins his fight babyface. By the way, this is 2008. Yeah, he had hair on. Alvarez. He goes up on the turnbuckle and does the most pretty black backflip you have ever seen. I mean, this backflip puts Justin Gaethje's to shame. Yeah, this dude. thing was fully extended, fully sprawled out. It was good gorgeous. arc too. That was a nice arc. Arc stuck the landing. I mean, this is this is one of Alvarez's cleanest performance. And yes, he got dropped. But so what? He always does. Yeah. That yeah. ground and pound performance is just. He was so fluid. He was smart like, It's hard with for it, me man. to recall a more a more fluid 
Like, like you see guys ground and pound people like a Tito Ortiz or a Mark Coleman or a Khabib or like they maul people. This wasn't really a mauling. This was like a uh, an elegant, like it was it, elegant. That's the best way I can describe it. It was just so fluid and and uh, go watch this fight if you're gonna watch any fight. In my opinion, watch this one because yes. it, it's fantastic. Could you imagine if Alvarez still did shit like this? I mean, would be nice, but Father Time coming for everybody, baby. You know how it go. That and, and I mean, as you know, fighting in, at higher level competition, you can't really. Yeah, that's <laughs> also true. There's only so many. Like yeah, guys get figured out and level of <laughs> opposition. But you know what? He was doing stuff like this for a long time to a lot of people. And uh, yeah, yeah oh, so yeah. he was in Bodog. I mean, Alvarez oh was around, man. Bodog. Oh my God, Calvin Air, who's now into crypto because, of course, every scammer is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, sign of the times, Vic. Sign of the times. I guess. All right. So our next lightweight Grand Prix matchup of the evening, uh, Tatsuya Kawajiri comes up with a unanimous decision over Culture Gill. Um, Culture you know, the Black Mamba. Canada's the Black finest Mamba. export until St. Pierre rolled around. That's right. Um Man, Kawajiri was a Shudo pride guy, Gil, a K1 Heroes guy, but damn it, this was a complete mismatch. Like, Gil had no business in there, and he just could not get any sort of separation. Kawajiri, white on rice, just all over him, flies on shit. I mean, poor Gil. Even when, like, even, even, like, when Gil was on top, like, he wasn't able to do anything. Like, he was, like... Kawajiri threw up a rubber guard, like a 2008 rubber guard. Like, come on now. That's fantastic. So this was a, a, a total ass beating. The guy didn't belong in there with Kawajiri. Um, you know, just classic Kawajiri. That's all. Yeah, Crusher Kawajiri was doing his thing. Coltar Gill, very talented, had a lot of promise early on, much again, like uh, like we said earlier with some, you know, some guys, some guys, they come out. Looking pretty hot. Things kind of get a little shaky. You know, maybe they take some fights they shouldn't. They don't. I don't know. This is a very wild and weird place to be. And uh, especially at that point in time. And Gil kind of like he was making some noise, you know, some people like some of the stuff he was he was doing. But, you know, at this point, he was seven and six fighting. Kawajiri was 21, four with two draws. Like, yeah, you kind of knew what was going to happen. But stylistically, you still wanted to see it. And, and Gil was hanging tough. He wasn't going to be put away, you know. He was not in any um, at any point thinking like, no, he just didn't have any quit in him, you know. But that only carries you so far. Yeah, man, total squash matchup, but that's fine. Most of these were. All right, well, you know what? That brings us to our main event, the the final lightweight opening round Grand Prix matchup. Shinye Aoki is in a no contest with Jay-Z Cavalcante. And I got to say, this is number one bullshit. Number one bullshit. This should be a TKO win for Jay-Z, and you cannot convince me otherwise. I mean, look, I get what you're saying, but they had their rules. They had their rules. Look, let me tell you a little quick story, right? So I I, I know. What are the rules? What are the rules? Okay, so hold on a second. Hold on a second. So I had an argument with a former boss of mine because he was complaining about how in UFC 1, Hoist Gracie was cheating because he was hanging on to his own gi. And I'm explaining to him, well, there's a reason they don't use the gi anymore. Back when it was allowed, yeah, you could do that. But he was cheating. No, he wasn't. That was in the rules. The, that, it, how do it's you free cheat fit. when there's no rules? There's no rules. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm trying to explain to him. There were rules, obviously. The no rules thing yeah. was just a marketing gimmick. We know that. But my point was like, hey, man, listen, I see what you're saying, the spirit of the thing, but you're not looking at the context, okay? And here is something slightly similar. They had their whole – what was it? Wasn't there a no elbow rule or something like that for the first to round? The face. To the face. Oh, I misunderstood. I thought it was just to the head in general. Okay, well. Well, yeah, yeah to the head, to the face. Well, to, let's let's get to the, the actual let's get to the actual fight and explain that because we're we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. Uh, they well, start well, first trading of all, some this shots. This is an early ending. It don't it only yeah. lasts three minutes and six seconds. But yeah, yeah, I mean it was great, but MMA blue balls at its finest. Oh God. 
Why you gotta say it like that, bro? Why you gotta do this to me? That's left me wanting more. Like just as it was getting going, right? Oh Aoki shoots God. in for that double leg, and Jay Z responds with a set of elbows to the shoulder area, and Aoki immediately drops, and the ref calls a freaking timeout. Wait, wait, and I'm I thought like, he what? hit the side of the head. I thought he was hitting him with them Travis Brown. Fuck you know. no, sir. Oh. He landed on the shoulder. Oh, it was on the man. shoulder. And then Shit. Aoki couldn't continue because of that, and it was ruled a, a no contest because reasons. I, oh, you know? They oh. called it an accidental injury. But where I come from, that's a TKO loss, like an oh, accidental well. injury. Yeah. Eat a dick. Like that, no, dude, you got elbowed <laughs> in the shoulder and fucked you up. You lost, bro. bro this you is might. absurd. You 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 still mad? <laughs> you still yeah, really dude, mad. this is absurd. This is a robbery. You want to talk about one, a robbery? Number one bullshit. This is a robbery that doesn't even involve the judges. Like, how is this not? Like, how is this not a TKO? I don't know, bro. That's just that's. There's a lot. I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't. Yeah, it's it's like, a no contest. See, I, due you to Jay Z not being Japanese. You you had me see. Here's the thing though. You you had me all confused here because I thought that he actually had hit the dude on the side of the head and that it wasn't allowed, yeah. or maybe potentially the back of the head because it, it looked close from the angle I was seeing. And I'm like, oh well, see, I guess I, that's I what happened. I watched this. I watched the replay over and over and over, trying to make sense of. This, I didn't. I, I didn't just... pour over it like that. That's the thing. I'm like, oh well, I guess that's what it was. And I didn't really like. I, I didn't really scrutinize oh, dude, it, it to that me degree. Off, man. <laughs> I, I, I no shit. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> you, you think so? Yeah. I think I could say I, I might I have been so able mad. to glean that potentially. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, no, is, this is a shame. It was, man. It was if it went out like that. And look, man, I feel bad because Gavalcante was another one of those dudes who didn't get that kind of love. Here's a dude that went. I mean, and this is one of those cats, him, Jorge Santiago. There's like a couple of Brazilians who would fought in Japan and they were wrecking shop. And if not, they were just doing some amazing moments, uh, having some amazing moments, even in losses. I mean, he had fought Joachim Hansen, Bart Pawashevsky, uh, Henry Matamoros, Michihiro Omegawa. Like he was fighting a lot of these Hani Yaya back in 2006. Yaya must have been like 12 years old. Okay. <laughs> 2006. Nam fan in 07. Bro, I'm telling you, some of these same names keep popping up. Shaolin Hibero, Andrea Amade, who we saw here in this on this card. And then he goes on to fight in Strike Force, then World Series of Fighting, Titan FC, Brave FC, and then eventually he's just uh, stuck with competitive grappling. Although he did have the um that he match. Rick Hahn. Rick Hahn. Yeah, who had been uh I thought I thought he had been retired for a while at that point. But point is he was one of the fundamental members of um Jaco Fight Team or Fight Sport, whatever they were, uh lovingly referred to as the Black Zillions, a name that I think either he or Santiago actually, one of them two came up with that name. They were then um what, Hard Knocks three sixty or whatever, and then yeah, Sam and then, MMA, uh... now Kill Cliff, and soon they'll be like like, I don't know, a George Santos Academy for Gifted Children or like, you know, Fleshlight Studio. I don't know. They're going to they're gonna have something or probably something either that or like crypto related or like, you know, dot com. I don't hey, know. Hey, I'm going to say shout out to Kill Cliff for uh, being the first to get in on the on, on branding of a actual team, like a fight team. I, we haven't seen that. This is the first and that I can think of. There you go. Plumperpass.com, your move. But point uh, is, John point is, point is the point is, man, the point is this whole thing right here. I mean, this dude had um, one of those careers where not a very not a household name as far as MMA names go. But holy shit, this guy, this guy was doing some stuff yeah. that was that was just nuts in a very um, disparate area. And in an era where like just wild shit kept happening. I mean, this dude was fighting. Uh, let me see here. 2004 alone, he fought. Let me see. One, two, three, four. Well, he fought like six times in 2004. Yeah, total he monster. In- he was even he was in the EA Sports MMA game. If anyone he is was. familiar with that. He was, which is, which, by the way, the very best MMA game to ever. Thank exist. you. Yes. Shout out to EA Tiburon. They never should have let these. Yo, listen, nobody else should have touched these except them. My God, that game was yeah. so good. It probably holds up well. I, I don't want to go back and be, feel like really disappointed. But man, <laughs> they, they, because you know what? Being free of the UFC branding, they were able to embrace MMA culture. 
You know what I mean? Like, and, and I mean that sure. in more of a round and global sense. So that was beautiful. And, and, and having a guy like this, yeah, he deserved it. Fun fact, he fought Joe Lozon twice as an amateur, Damn. as an amateur back in 2003. Wow. That's crazy. Beat him too. Yeah. Beat him twice. We still That's had nuts. So this was, this yeah. was super unfortunate. Um, but with, so the, the tournament was supposed to continue on at dream three, right? This is dream one. The lightweight tournament was going to be dream three to give the fighters some time to recover. However, since this happened, they had an immediate rematch at dream two, which a Oki ended up winning by a unanimous decision. So, that makes me feel even worse. Like Jay-Z went from a, a TKO victory getting stolen from him to a unanimous decision loss. Like, damn. What are you yeah. going to do? Yeah, hey, man, listen. That's a brace. And that's the thing. Like, like uh, the main event ended in a wonky fashion that pissed me off. But we got some squash matches, you know. We got an Eddie Alvarez showcase, a Crow Cop showcase, Minnow Man hit a gnarly knee bar after doing a set of front rolls like he's warming up. So ten fights all together, six of them ended early, and it's free on YouTube. So Vic, what was your overall thoughts on the entire card? I loved it. It didn't it didn't have the cool bombastic ending. It didn't have the wall-to-wall sensational finishes. It wasn't super brawl. But it was a nice, cool slice of Japanese MMA post Pride in a way that, you know, there it was wasn't much, Yama pit fighting. It, no, no, no. Which, by the way, had its anniversary. <laughs> uh, I think it was a 15 year anniversary this year. I can't remember. But um, oh it was it was something very um, it was something that was a little special. And it looked like it was going on to create something else. It didn't quite reach those heights. Uh, we have Ryzen now, which is. You know, that that's its own beast. But there was um, there was a lot here to enjoy and to pick over as little curios here. Right. What these guys became and what these guys were. Mirko was already Mirko at the time. But like, damn, dude, to see him outside of a Pride or UFC fight and to get this kind of moment there to see Eddie Alvarez wrecking shop, Crusher Kawajiri wrecking shop, Minoa man like that alone. That alone was cool to see all these dudes get in there and, and try to see these guys as their um, as an organization is trying to put its best foot forward to make an extraordinary right. first impression. And I mean, they tried, you especially know, overall, at the time. Like, like UFC was on fire at this point. So, oh, they were unstoppable you know, at this, this point. Yes. Really cool. And honestly, yeah. Dream, they were, I mean, they collaborated with Elite XC, they collaborated with Strike Force. So, I mean, honestly, Scott Cooker is still collaborating with Ryzen. So, I mean, he's he has been at the forefront of the MMA cross promotions from day one. So, shout out to him. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, like like I said earlier, the following dream cards are pretty fire, too. So we should probably do some retros for those someday soon. Uh, but for now, we're going to get out of here. You can find me on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find Vic on Twitter at Vic M. Rodriguez. Both of us over at bloodyelbow.com. Like, subscribe. Oh, sub to our sub stack also for bonus content and all that jazz. And above else, go be a good person. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Music B, RSS Radio, IMDB, and now also found in your app store on apps such as Downcast, the podcast app, iCatcher, Podcruncher, Podbean, and more. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week, including the Care Don't Care Podcast, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, Crooklyn's Corner, The 6th Round Retro, The Show Money Podcast, The MMA Depressed Us, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, and The Return of the MMA Bunker.